the first Galley Baker Press podcast of 2021. Because Britain has tragically just left the EU, um, I wanted to read something I wrote round about a year ago for a book called A Love Letter to Europe, uh, which is full of reminders of why the European Union is so good and being part of it is so important and why leaving is among other things a moral outrage because it means we've turned our backs on our friends. The piece I wrote was all about friendship so I thought now might be a good time to share it. It's called Twin Towns. One of my strongest recollections from that vague awkward period between childhood and puberty is of the day the deputation from Alborg visited my hometown, Lancaster. To understand why this visitation was so memorable, you have to trudge in my black and clumpy school shoes for a while. Every day, after lessons ended, my friends and I were cast adrift for an hour or more among the dismal shops of early 90s Lancaster, while we waited for the buses that would finally take us home. We walked aimlessly through useless, empty time. We knew every single record that our price stocked. Waterstones hadn't arrived yet. We weren't allowed in the pubs. We weren't welcome in the tea shops. Yes, tea shops. There weren't any cafes back then. We were desperate for distraction. So we were as grateful as we were surprised when a half dozen or so smiling and pleasingly handsome Danish people one day took over a shop near the town hall to put on a display about their home. Did we want to know about the city of smoking chimneys and its early 20th century cement factories? Well, sure, since they were asking, and since they were also offering to feed us cheese and herrings. Alborg, I learned that day, was Lancaster's twin town. It was a medium-sized Danish city with a rich medieval history that had more recently suffered industrial decline. It had a cool, verging on cold, climate, and plenty of annual rainfall. I had to admit that all that did sound a bit like Lancaster, but we were still sceptical about the twin town concept, even as we noshed happily on the fish products and looked appreciatively at the clean lines of the pine furniture our new friends had installed in the shop. Would many citizens of a twin town really want to come over to our rainy bit of northern England to share in our boredom? The answer to that question was a cautious yes. It turned out that the burghers of Lancaster had quite an enthusiasm for twinning. They'd also somehow managed to trick their fellow dignitaries in Perpignan in the sunny south of France to hook up with them. And so, a few years after that astonishing Danish visitation, my school arranged an exchange with our Mediterranean counterparts and a coachload of French teenagers duly arrived on our doorstep. To our great surprise, our ami seemed to like Lancaster. My exchange partner, the not particularly French-sounding Sven, was absolutely fascinated by the pubs I was too young to get into. He was also impressed by the tiny patina of cool that had rubbed off on the town, thanks to its relative proximity to Manchester. The Stone Roses, or any other worthwhile band, had never actually visited our one tiny music venue, but Sven didn't need to know that, nor did he seem to care. It was enough to be in the north of England. He and his compatriots even seemed impressed by the shops that we found so tedious, and by the local architecture, which we had long since stopped noticing. I felt guilty all the day. It rained for the whole duration of our French friend's stay, and I just knew we were going to have a better time 
when we did the return leg later on that summer. I was right. Whereas my school had arranged visits to a broken down amusement park in the failing resort of Morecambe and to a nuclear power station in Hesham, in France they took us to the beach, to water parks and to an astonishing Salvador Dali museum. What's more, everything we did was bathed in glorious sunshine. But the best thing about my part of the exchange turned out to be Sven's dad, Robert Gorbert. Pretty much the first thing that Monsieur Gorbert explained to me when I arrived at his house was that he was a psychologist and a sexologist. A sexologist. This idea was terrifying. I knew that Monsieur Gorbert would instantly be able to tell that I was a massive virgin. He'd realised that I'd barely spoken to a girl, let alone held hands with one, or engaged in any of the rest of that mysterious business. But actually, I had no reason to be afraid. Even in my teenage solipsism, I came to understand that he didn't care how fast or how slow I was developing, and it was impossible to be intimidated by him for long. He was funny and silly and kind. He spoke to me, if not as an adult, my French wasn't good enough for that, at least as a friend. He asked my opinion about everything he could think of. He tirelessly tried to teach me local idioms. He laughed at my mistakes instead of finding them annoying, and he spent hours with Sven and me, not to mention his two other kids, every day keeping us entertained and amused. La famille Gaubert took me scuba diving in the Mediterranean. They took me walking in the Pyrenees and bathing in hot springs. They showed me Roman ruins. They took me to meet relatives in Spain to slurp gazpacho. They took me to fireworks for the 14th of July. They took me, bizarrely, to a fashion show where Monsieur Gaubert gleefully explained that half of the models were clients of his. What on earth did a sexologist actually do? Looking back now, I can understand how proud Monsieur Gaubert must have been of his home and how keen he was to show it to me. I also now realise that this kind man had taken on the wider project of helping to bring me into the world. I was quite an odd teenager. As well as worrying about girls and cultivating boredom, I most liked listening to The Cure, reading Victorian novels, and learning Latin verb formations. All fine things, but perhaps not ideal for building a fully socialised adult. Monsieur Gaubert understood this, and became determined that I should start to relish more simple pleasures. That I should have fun. He set about bringing me out of my shell, and also, in his wisdom and benevolence, he supplied me with the perfect metaphor for this process. He took me to a snail-eating festival. This event, which had the significant bonus of being the most French thing I could imagine, took place in Parkland on long plastic tables in the gentle early evening sun. Monsieur Gaubert kept us in blissful ignorance about the financial arrangements, but the basic deal seemed to be that after you got a ticket and sat down, you were given limitless supplies of good crispy French bread alongside as many escargots cooked in a delicious garlic sauce as you could eat. Also, red wine. This latter was a crucial part of Monsieur Gaubert's design. He had decided that it was time I got drunk. Not English drunk. Not roaring, fighting or puking. Just gently glowing and merry. He encouraged me to imbibe just enough to set me talking volubly in suddenly improved French and giggling at everything everyone else said. Everyone else must have been enjoying the wine too, because at some hazy point in the evening, they all started throwing snail shells at each other amidst uproarious laughter. Ooh la la's, putain, and other French expressions of surprise and glee. 
I recall the singular satisfaction of a well-flicked shell hitting its target. I remember Monsieur Gobert laughing and patting me on the back and encouraging me to target anyone and everyone. Also, before the night blurs into forgetfulness, I have a glorious final image of myself standing on a plastic chair in a hail of snail shells, lobbing bread and friendly insults at a nearby Frenchman. What greater happiness could there be? Well, I was on the way to finding out. I'll be forever grateful to Monsieur Gorbert for pointing me towards it. He was a lovely man. And Perpignan has remained one of my favourite places. I visit as often as I can, partly because the southwest of France is so beautiful, partly because it has such warm associations, and partly because I feel such kinship with the place. It reminds me of Lancaster. I love it for that. It's funny how things turn out.